0: somebody invited you or you came to celebrate with a family, we want to say a big thank you to you for coming. Uh, we're starting a new series of teachings this morning at the Elevation Church. we generally teaching series. It means that uh, we, 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 we teach and buttress our teachings, maybe three messages, four messages, five messages, and then we move to another discussion. That's what we mean by teaching in series. We don't teach in disjointed manner, and we, we, we want to be able to address certain issues and flog them very well and see practical life change and. Uh, a reorientation of worldview and then we'll move to something else. So this morning we're starting uh, with a new series that will talk The Blessed Life and I'm starting with this first message which is living the blessed life, living the blessed life. I want to take my opening text from Psalm um, 112, we'll read from verse 1 to 10 which is the full chapter, the complete chapter of that book of Psalms, Psalm 112 from verse 1 to 10. Uh, what I did in the first service is that I got uh, everybody to to read together so we're going to do the same all the ladies you're going to read uh, uh, from verse 1 and then the men will read and then the ladies will read it's 10 verses so we're going to share it equally all right all right one two let's go from the screen ladies is the light for we'll the sorry descendants were mighty on the earth and the generation of the upright will be blessed. Well, unto the upright the rise, light, and the darkness is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Surely it will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desires upon his enemies. wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desires of the wicked shall perish. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's share a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for the entrance of your word this morning. Let it give light and understanding to our simple hearts. Energize this word in our heart that it may result into the renewing of our minds we ask, everlasting Father, that you give us grace to be doers and not just hearers of your word. Touch our lives today. Transform our lives today. Heal our hearts, heal our body, and give us a new perspective that will draw us closer to you. Holy Spirit, do your quick work in our midst today and let your name be glorified. In Jesus' precious name. Somebody say, Believe in Amen. Amen. Who is a blessed man? Who is a blessed man? Who is a blessed man? When we talk about the blessed man, we can see it from different perspectives. I say you should mention, if you know any blessed man, you know, there's a possibility that somebody here will not even look within this church right now. you quickly look at the oppressor of your estate or the person whose house is the biggest or who drives the biggest car and your mind goes to that person ask the blessed man. Yeah. So if we say who is the blessed man or maybe I should do it better can you ask your neighbor are you are you the blessed man? <laughs> Praise God. What is the basis for calling someone a blessed person? Who is a blessed man or blessed woman and what's the basis for calling somebody a blessed person? You 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 see this 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 good looking dude on the screen? Yeah. <laughs> it, it looks like a uh, somebody who is enjoying life and, you know, the look-good factor is there, everything is there. So For some people, when you talk about the blessing, or who is a blessed man, your mind quickly goes to this kind of guy. You know, he looks like a celebrity. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it, it looks like he's all together, you know, as if you can just call him out of that screen and say, come, fine boy, come. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. That, that, that's, that's what some people have in mind when it comes to uh, who is the blessed man? Who is the blessed man? But the psalmist, the writer of this book of Psalms, Psalm 112, describes the blessedness of the blessed man. it says, praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandment. He said, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in their house. So, wealth and riches is part of the package but that's not the big deal that's not the main thing so down to the upright there arises light and darkness that speaks to clarity of purpose clarity of vision and divine direction he said he's gracious and full of compassion and righteous. a good man deals graciously and lends. the blessed man is not just blessed he's also a giver he will guide his affairs with discretion Is always wishing for God to be his guide, to be the one who directs his life. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. So the blessed man does not live in fear. His heart is steadfast, trusting the Lord. His heart is established. The blessed man's heart is established. Established in the current truth. Established in the written code of God's word, established in the character of God, in God's faithfulness, in God's goodness, in God's mercy, and in God's favor. That is the blessed man. That is the blessed man. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. And be gnashed his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. You need to ask, we need to ask a question today. What was going through the mind of the psalmist writing this psalm? Envisioning the life of the blessed man and envisioning the relationship of the blessed man with God. And the fact that one of the things that makes you a blessed man is that you can engage divine help because of a relationship because of a relationship. So the blessing of God is beyond money. The blessed life means that you have a covenant relationship with God that covers every facet of your life. So when we talk about wealth, we talk about health, we talk about direction, we talk about provision, you know, we talk about a life of peace, a life of joy, we talk about a life of relevance, touching lives, because it's not enough to be blessed. The ulti- ultimate level of being blessed is to be a blessing. Say amen, somebody. Amen. The blessing is, is the cause. The blessing is the cause of the manifestation of God's glory in our lives. When you see the manifestations of God's glory in somebody's life, that's just the effect. The root cause is the blessing. If you want to know that electric power is getting into a building, you need to be able to switch on, switch, you know, flick the switch and light will come on. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. You need to flip the switch and the air conditioners will work. That's what shows that there's electric power here. When the blessing of God is upon the life of a person, the blessing itself is the root cause. The effect are the things that we see. And the effects are multifaceted. Now, we live in a clime where we look for one effect only. And that is provision. That is money. That's all we look for when we say this person is blessed. But the truth is that it's possible to get money without the blessing. Somebody say with me today. Yeah. The pathway to money is not only the blessing of God. You don't have to be in a covenant relationship with God to be rich. Are you still with me today? Yeah. But when you are in a covenant relationship with God, or if you are in a covenant relationship with God, part of the package also is that you should have abundance of material provision, abundance of health, abundance of peace, abundance of joy. You should not lack divine direction. You should not live in in fear. Those are the effects, but the the, the root cause is the relationship. So the blessed life means that you have a covenant relationship with God. That's what it means. That's what it means, that there's a relationship with God. Psalm 32, when you read verse 1 to 2, the Bible describes again the blessed life. Psalm 32 from verse 1 to 2. Can you put that up for me? Psalm 32, verse 1 to 2. It says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sins are covered. Verse 2, it says, blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now, all this looks like big deal in the sense that how can a man get to this state where my sins are forgiven? The Lord will not impute iniquity. And Jesus came just for that reason. That's the reason why the Bible says that the righteousness of man is like filthy feel before God. God has made a provision for how to receive the gift of righteousness. How my sins will not be imputed against me. It is by coming to God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except by me. But we can push that aside, go with popular culture, And say, I don't need God for this. I don't need God for that. I don't need God for that. And just decide that we're going to live our own life the way we want to live it. So financial prosperity is one of the manifestations of the blessing. But it's not the blessing. I want to underscore that. That's not the blessing. The blessing, the blessedness of the blessed man is first and foremost rooted in a covenant relationship with God. The fact that you have access to God, your sins are forgiven. Iniquity will not be imputed to you. You have received the gift of righteousness through Jesus Christ. The Bible says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. That you have encountered the grace of God and you are daily encountering the truth of his word. That is the blessed life. That is the blessed life. That is the blessed life. Many people are more interested in the blessing than the one who blesses. More interested in the blessing than the one who blesses. And the reason is not far-fetched. When you live in the third world, well, that's what they call us anyway. Developing countries. Many people suffer all kinds of deprivation. And so, the only social safety net is God or the church or religion. Let me put it that way. And that has a way of turning everything, you know, uh, uh, upside down for us because it then means that the only reason why we want to embrace any religion at all is to get you know, just uh, palliative for all the suffering. So many people go to church not because they are interested in their relationship with God, not because they want the blessed life, the real blessed life, which is premised on a covenant relationship with God, but because they want to resolve issues. That in itself is not bad, but we cannot continue to put the cart before the horse. We have to approach the blessed life from the right perspective. I'm praying this morning that this series of messages will lead to what the Bible describes in Romans 12 and verse 2 that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that it will lead to serious mind renewal for you and I, and it will help us to gain a better world view as far as our relationship with God is concerned, so that we can walk in the fullness of the understanding of what it means to live the blessed life, what it means to live the blessed life. When you start to examine the life of some people in the scriptures, who lived the blessed life according to the dictates of the scriptures, you see that they had the best of the two worlds. They had a strong covenant relationship with God that guarantees all the effects that that creates. They didn't seek God for material things. They sought God for a relationship. Let me give my first example, Solomon. In 1 Kings chapter 3, when you read from verse 4 down to 10, you read the story, story of Solomon. The Bible says Solomon went to Gibeah, and um, that night he offered a thousand burnt offering. Somebody help me pray. Please put the scripture How 1 Kings chapter 3, I'm, I'm talking from verse 4. Just, just roll it as I, as I talk, so that everybody knows that I'm talking from the scriptures. Yeah. The Bible says Solomon offered a thousand burnt offering on the altar, and uh, from that point, what you you see is that God appeared to Solomon and asked him, "Solomon, what's the problem?" Like we say in this part of the waiting happened, yeah. And Solomon was like, "It's just about this relationship, you know. I just want to be more like you. I want wisdom. You are wisdom, and I want more of you in my life. Yeah. You are the embodiment of wisdom, God." And I just want more of you in my life. And I want it not for myself. I want it for the people. These great people. These great people that you have put me in charge. I want the wisdom for them. That I will leave and occupy this office as if you are the one occupying it because I'm going to do it with your wisdom. So I'm, 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 I, I, I'm doing all this giving because of You, because of a relationship with you, because of a covenant with you, and because I want to live my life inside out with your character. One of the essence of knowing God and working a covenant relationship with God is to be able to demonstrate the wisdom of God from time to time as it applies to issues of life. That is the blessed life. When the wisdom of God is available to me from time to time to the extent that I am not stranded, And I make the right decisions about, you know, different areas of life. That is the blessed life. Solomon said, I want to live the blessed life. That's why I'm giving a thousand burnt offering. That's why I'm dedicating my life to you, God. Just want a blessed life. I want, you know, your wisdom to be in consistent manifestation in my life. And God looked at Solomon and said, because you did not ask for the life of your enemy, you did not ask for yourself. Nor have you asked riches for yourself. Nor have you asked the life of your enemies. But you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Understanding to discern justice. He said, behold, I've done according to your word. See, I've given you a wise and understanding heart, so that there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall anyone arise after you. And the truth is that God gave him the wisdom. The wisdom resulted into massive wealth that the world of his time could not understand. Yeah, Rich people called Solomon rich. The queen of Sheba, a woman of means, came to Solomon. And the Bible says this, he saw the appearance of Solomon's servants. And there was no breath in her. She was flagabasted and, uh, in fact, flag-a- yeah, That's the word. You combine both together. Yeah. When you are flagabasted and overwhelmed, you are flagwhelmed. Yeah. yeah. This shows what God has in mind when He craves a relationship with us and says, "Live the blessed life. Focus on the relationship. Focus on the Giver and not the gift." choose to live a life that honors the giver. Abraham was another person that lived a blessed life. In fact, today we sing, Abraham's blessings are mine. Blessed in the morning, bless in the evening, Abraham's blessings are mine. Well, if you got saved not too long ago, you may not know the song. Back in the day, that's the only song you sang for offering time. Yeah. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. Back in the day, when it's offering time said, Abraham's blessings are mine Abraham's blessings are mine I am blessed in the morning I am blessed in the evening Abraham's blessings are mine Yeah. Some old timers are here (laughs) But you know the truth We love Abraham's blessing But we don't like to live Abraham's lifestyle And we have to turn it around the Abrahamic blessing was produced by living the blessed life. Living the blessed life is what guarantees the Abrahamic blessing. So in Genesis 12, God called Abraham and said, Come out of your people, Come out of your kingdom, and go to a place that I will show you. And Abraham departed, like, uh, like the Bible said, and God said, And I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless whoever bless you. I will curse whoever I curse you put a blessing of divine protection upon him. I'm going to watch over your life. So that you, all the families of the house, shall be blessed. And God started to take that blessing from one level to the other. In terms, first and foremost, of the relationship and the death of the relationship. Not in in terms of material provision. Material provision was also going up, but the death of the relationship was going up. Abraham's ability to trust God, even when God promised and it looked like God was not paying attention to that promise. It takes a depth of relationship for you not to lose trust in someone who seems not to be coming true, but his words reverberate. And his word keeps ringing in your mind, but yet no substance yet. Yeah, you know that that, that some people were in church last year. They're no longer around now because no substance yet. Abraham stayed in church. Somebody said "The blessed life. Oh, look at me again say the blessed life. Yes. Yeah. Abraham stayed in church. That's the implication. He stayed in his consistent relationship with God. Living the blessed life. Judging God faithful. Even when you don't have material substance to show for it. That is the blessed life. Because it's premised first and foremost on the relationship before the material thing. Young people in the congregation today, please listen to me. This gospel that was passed to us was not passed on the on the you know it, it didn't ride on the back of material provision. It came to us on the back of sacrifice. Some people living the blessed life abandon their wealth and their good life to take the gospel from to all over the world. Am I saying the truth? Yeah. People who are living in developed countries left their developed countries and went to underdeveloped and developing countries to present the gospel. The gospel did not come to us on the back of, you know, the promise of wealth or anything. It's on the back of sacrifice and the promise of eternal life. Somebody stay with me today. It's very, very important. Very important. Abraham went ahead. The deepest thing he did as God started to take the blessed life from one level to the other, from one level to the other, he brought it to a point where he said, Abraham, let's seal this deal of this blessed life completely. I'm going to ask you for something. We'll see if you truly are interested in this relationship and if you are in this relationship to give and not only to get. And it's that Isaac that you have trusted me, you know, for, for so long that is now a boy. I want Isaac. And at that point, it became something that Abraham had to do thoughtfully. But thank God his thoughtfulness was not higher than his mindfulness for the relationship. Because we live in a time where people have become so astute. They are more astute than the scriptures. And now we rationalize things. Our thoughtfulness is stronger than the truth of God's word. Yeah, because we are using our number six. You know, you say, use your sense. Eh? Use your sense. Eh? Yeah. That's what you see today. Many people want to use their sense for what their sense cannot undo. Because there's a point you use, you take your sense to. Even the sense can crash. Yeah, it's like when you overload the generator, you understand what I'm saying? After a while, you start hearing sound like, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh. <laughs> then after a while, uh Can I say something to somebody this, this morning? It's not every of your life issues. That your brain is configured to handle. Yeah. If your brain can handle all of your life issues, you don't need to pray at all. There's no need for God. Yeah, It's because my mind, my brain is not strong enough to handle all of my life's affairs that God says you need a relationship with me. Yeah, And that is the blessed life. A covenant relationship with God that puts you in a better place. To handle things that your mind is not configured to handle. Glory be to Jesus. Abraham got to that point. God made a demand on him. Just testing him. Just taking him deeper in this sacrificial life. A life that focuses on honor for God. God was taking him deeper. And then this is not going to be about what to get. This is going to be about more about what to give. And God demanded his son from him. And it was very instructive. as That discussion ensued between Abraham and God. And Abraham started to take action. So the Bible says in Genesis 22, when you read from verse verse 3 of Genesis 22, the Bible says, So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac, his son, and Isaac... A son and isaac is son many people today want to live the blessed life but they are leaving their isaac behind and isaac is son abraham i said in the first service could have called for ishmael ishmael was creating problem anyway god if you need a son i have another one this one that is creating problem I've chased the mother away, I can look for him, let's terminate him, and let's know that that, all that occurrence, that has been a heartache for me, all that mistake of many years, let's just bury it. God does not need your mistakes. It needs your heart. Yeah. It needs your heart. It can turn any mistake into miracle. But your heart first, in a committed relationship in a covenant relationship, that is the starting point. That is the cause. The effect is every other thing that we see. And you and I know that there's no e- effect without a cause. Abraham, the Bible says, took his son Isaac and he split the wood for the bond offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, after being on the journey, just pursuing the will of God, living this blessed life. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off and Abraham said to the, the, his young man, young man, stay here with the donkey. The lad, Isaac, and I will go yonder and worship. Somebody say worship. Abraham said, singing is not worship. To worship does not end there. Real worship Singing is, just, is a part of it, because adoration to God. But the real substance of worship is to take actions in living the blessed life, celebrating the worth of a covenant relationship with God in the life of obedience, in the life that seeks for the heart of God, not his hand only. Because when you get his heart, his hand will not be withheld from you. I, I, I hope somebody is following me today. Very important. And Abraham, <laughs> the Bible says, he said, I and the Lord will go yonder and worship. Sacrificing his son was what Abraham called worship. What do you call worship? What do you call worship? And he said, we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand And a knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac asked a question, very critical, very instructive question. Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Know many people have relationships with God where you can see the fire, you can see the wood. The fire is their tongue; they speak tongues of angels. You know, Pentecostals we can tongue, yeah. There's fire. There's wood. We can quote scriptures. (laughs) We can sing high praises, but there's no Isaac. There's no lamp for the sacrifice. Isaac knew, even as a small boy, Daddy, it's not about fire and wood. What are we cutting? Yeah. We have to cut something. Yeah. Let your Christian life not be the fire and the wood only. Let it be the one that has something to sacrifice. Yeah. Always something to do for God, something to do for the kingdom, something with which the relation, the covenant relationship, is solidified. Yeah, because it's not about getting; it's primarily about giving. Abraham looked at his son. He didn't want to tell him, "You are the lamb." So he told him in parables. He said, "But where is the lamb?" Abraham said, "My son." God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. And God did not show up until Abraham put this boy on the altar and had a knife in his hand. Somebody has been asking God to show up. Yeah, It's not just about you showing up. It's about you showing up with your heart. It's about you showing up with that which the level that God wants to take you in his relationship with him then you start to see him also show up we have to speak to the heart of the African Christianity that is over focused on material things that the real blessing is when somebody is driving a big car that the real blessing for us is the part of the city you live in that is not the Christianity that was given to us the apostles did not boast in the size of their homes. Their real boast was the extent of their sacrifice. Are you still with me today? Glory be to Jesus. Like I said, I know this is not the kind of message you say preach, Pastor, but I'm saying it to myself. Preach, preach, preach. preach. And I'm saying it to myself again. Preach. I'm going to preach. Praise God. (laughs) Glory be to Jesus. God wants us to relate with him from a standpoint of honor. Yeah, from a standpoint of honor. Say with me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tie this together in a couple of minutes. From a standpoint of honor, that's how God wants us to relate with him. The blessed life is the life that recognizes that God wants me, he wants my life, he wants everything that has to do with me to give him honor and glory. That's what he wants. And we see that through the story that shows us the first attempt of human beings to worship God practically like we do today on a weekly basis in the scriptures. I'm talking about uh, the story in Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 to 7, the story of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel were the first in the scriptures to practically worship God with their substance. So the Bible says in this first story of worship, first attempt at organized religion, if I can put it that way. This is the first attempt in the scriptures. It was Cain and Abel. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. An offering of the fruit of the ground. The Bible says, Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. And obviously, Cain, because he was rejected, became angry. And God spoke to Cain, why are you angry? You know, why is your countenance falling? If you have done well, will you not be accepted? And God said, if you refuse to do well, sin lies in the corner. I'm going to explain that in a minute. But I want want us to see the New Living Translation of Genesis 4 and verse 3 and 4. The New Living Translation. It shows us why somebody's sacrifice was accepted and the other one was not accepted both of them trying to live the blessed life but God said it's not enough to just show up it's not enough to just give me something it's not enough you know to just put up an appearance just like Abraham what would it look like if he had a fire the wood without substance in, in the same way, sometimes the substance is not the one that can command God's attention. Whether you talk about money or time or how you use your skill for God, it must be something that connotes honor for God. New Living Translation, uh, verse, verse, four, verse 4. You know, the Bible says in verse 3, he said, Cain, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to God. Some of his crops. As a gift to God, it was freely you have received. You just brought something, but Abel did something differently. Abel also brought a gift with Iphim. the best portions of his firstborn lambs from their flock, and the Lord accepted it. The message translation says, He brought the first and the choicest. Caught one of the translation says, He brought the, the first and the best. This one says, But from the firstborn animal of his heart, choice cut of meat, God liked Abel and his offering. Who would not like choice cut? Yeah. God liked Abel. What I'm saying is that what God wants in the blessed life is a heart that wants to honor him. And to honor God, it must be treated differently. Must be treated differently. It's simple here that Cain did the ordinary. Hebel did the extraordinary. God recognized it, accepted the extraordinary, rejected the ordinary. That's simply what happened there. Is somebody still following me today? Very, very important. Yeah. The moment you start to cut back on God, you open the door to other forms of dishonor. That's why the scripture says, warning Cain, sin is at the corner. You can repent right now, turn this around, you go back to your farm and check what is honorable to God and bring, if you refuse, God says, the moment you start to cut back in your heart here, it's going to affect every other area. Negative emotions will set in, other things will set in, to the point that Cain became the first murderer in the scriptures. Many people don't understand That if you can't honor God with your life or with your substance, you're going to continue to shortchange him in many other areas. It's very important. Proverbs 3, from verse 5 down to 10. It's also very instructive in this wise. Glory be to God. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean on on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your body. Honour the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I said, praise God. This is very instructive. As I sat around, what makes What is fueling dishonor for God in this generation? Whether in terms of how we honor God with our substance or with how we give space to God in our mind. The enemy is on rampage trying to obliterate God from our minds. Just take him out completely. Just give us that sense that honoring God doesn't matter. Worship is not important. You don't need... A covenant relationship with God to be rich, as if all we came to this world to do is just to be rich. Yeah. You know, when you hear sayings like, I didn't come to Lagos to count the bridge, it, it makes it look like you were born into this world just to be rich. God did not have any other agenda to give back to you or to allow you to come. These people I have made, he said, they will give me praise. God has an agenda for each and every one of our lives. Use it to material provision. The prince of this world will come and corner us and help us to see it, that that's just what it's all about and because we can make money without God anyway. So what do you need God for? One of the ways that this has been unleashed on our world today is through what is called secular humanism. You can Google it and check it. Secular humanism is a concept that has been pushed just like any other thing like, um, uh, you know, like movement or the, any other thing at all, any other mindset or any other. It's just like another mindset. It's very subtle. The stance that human beings are capable of being ethical and moral without God. That's secular humanism. Human beings are capable of being ethical. And moral without God. So people will tell you, I know people who don't go to church and they're better than you. Yeah. I know somebody who doesn't go to church. He doesn't steal. A lot of people in your church, they still steal. As good and great as that sounds, that people who go to church will have the highest level of moral standard I let you know that the foundation of Christianity is not morality, it's righteousness. And righteousness is about a relationship with God. It's a gift from God that creates a lift in your life. It takes it beyond human struggle of will to rely on the grace of God to live a life that pleases God. Are you still with me today? That's why Psalm 32 says, Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Rather than the one that says, I have no sin anyway, so I don't need any God to forgive me any sin. Yeah, That's what secular humanism is telling us. You can be ethical and moral without God, without anything and all that. And nothing can be further from the truth. Yeah. But many people believe it. And it also affects how we think about our resources. So man can sort himself out There's no need for honoring God or having God in your subconscious or anything like that. That's what secular humanism is saying. The spirit of the Antichrist promotes secular humanism and it promotes morality and integrity without God. It promotes the mindset that you can be rich and wealthy and you don't need Jesus for it, which is true. The only thing is that the real blessed life is bigger than money. It's bigger than money. It's about an eternal relationship that guarantees your life here and guarantees your life in the hereafter. And guarantees that you are going to live your life here for not just what your mind appreciates. Because your mind cannot resolve all the issues of your life. Say amen, somebody. Amen. So, as a roundup for everyone under the influence of my voice today, and especially young people here, you need to understand that there's a need to take this walk with God the right way. I know many people are struggling with what I'm preaching today. All I'm asking is open your heart to the Holy Spirit because it's a scripture. Yeah. Christianity cannot be on your own terms. It can't be by popular culture. Yeah, It can't be by popular opinion. It has to be how God wants it. This Instagram age will make many people to derail. Because you want to hype up. You want to to be, I mean, the voice of the celebrities are louder than the Bible. Am I saying the truth? Yeah? Yeah? And yet, we still call ourselves Christians. That is not the blessed life. That is the fake life. That is the fake life, and the fake life will not lead anywhere. We all know that. Many people have lived fake lives before, and it resulted into nothing. So finally, Second Timothy chapter three, when you read from verse one to five, it said, "But notice that in the last days perilous times will come." He said, "Men shall be lovers." Can you be faster, please? Men. Be lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful unholy For you to understand what this verse means a little better I wanted to put it go back uh, verse two but put it in new living translation New living translation verse 2 it said "For people will love only themselves and their money <laughs> They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and it means biological parents and spiritual parents. Yeah, the devil is riding on this. That's why I mean, all pastors are now thieves and pastors are dragged on the floor everywhere. Yeah, some of the people talking, the pastors they're talking about are older than their parents. But they called them by their first names and dragged them on the floor, despising all their many years of sacrifice to the kingdom of God. Even if they made any mistake right now, it's there. Paul was writing to Timothy and warning. So young people, hear me? Yeah. At least I can call you young if you are younger than me. I'm in my mid-forties right now. So anybody that's younger than me, you are young people. Hear me and hear me well. For people will be lovers of themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, both spiritual and biological, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. That is the root cause of secular humanism. When nothing is sacred again, this is, the, the, I mean, the, the, for instance, when you talk about the Titan Challenge, all through last year was the loudest noise, right? And we brought it to the, only to the level of academic sense, Old and New Testament. And nobody's talking about, okay, maybe Titan is Old Testament, and we agree, but what about a heart of honor for God? How do you want to honor God? Simple, just answer the question. God said in the Old Testament, honor me this way. Before there was any testament at all in Genesis 4, God said, your relationship with me, the blessed life, cannot be without honor. When God rejected Cain and accepted Abel, there was no testament. Moses was not born yet. Yeah. Forget the fact that Genesis is on this side of the Bible. Genesis is not Old Testament. The testament started when Moses took the law from God and God started in Exodus and Leviticus. Yeah. And then we have New Testament. But God is bigger than Testament. Yeah. Because the word began before there was any Testament. And from when the world began, God already showed us how he wants us to relate with him. It must have honor in it. What is for God must not be treated anyhow. We cannot be a generation that will consider nothing sacred. It will bring a generation down God may have to sidestep a generation. He's done it before. Move to another generation that will honor him. May you not be the sidestep generation. Talk about the blessed life. big deal there is worship and honor for God. It's worship and honor for God. It has to do with how you dedicate your life, your time, your resources, your influence, your relationships, everything to God but much more how you dedicate your means to God. Your means to God. It's very important. It's very important. We live in a time where because of extreme poverty, you know, we can focus on the poor and neglect the gospel. And it won't change anything. The poor may be better, but it it does not totally address God's agenda because in, in, in Matthew 16 or so when a woman came and broke the alabaster box and poured everything on Jesus his disciples said ah this thing is too expensive why don't we sell it and give the money to the poor and Jesus did not say oh yes it's okay don't bring anything like this so oh, don't bring anything like this just put everything on the poor no he said the poor you have with you always I represent the gospel he said this woman has prepared me for the fulfillment of my purpose for the fulfillment of the gospel, prepare me for my funeral, which is, I came to die for the sins of men. Until you focus on how sin is going to be dealt with by the gift of righteousness through the blood of Jesus, you have not balanced the equation. Yeah. They thought they were religious by saying, we should just sell and give to the poor. Jesus said, you will continue to do that. Don't stop doing that. But don't stop focusing on fulfilling God's agenda, preaching the gospel, And that's the work of the church, on both hands, reaching out to the poor, preaching the gospel. Yeah. Reaching out to the poor, preaching the gospel. When a generation says the gospel is not important, let's do everything for the poor. We're swaying too much in one direction. We do both. Yeah. We do both. The church should still remain the social safety net until we fix the government. So we take care of needs of people. At the same time, we put the gospel on the front burner. We pray the gospel. We we disciple people. The product of the church of Jesus is not prosperity, it's disciples. It's disciples. Disciples. The church exists to raise disciples. Not only to make people rich people can be rich anyhow without coming to church i hope you understand what i'm saying yeah that's why the church exists is to make disciples jesus did not say we should go into the world and raise rich people but to raise disciples who will be rich i hope you understand what i'm saying yeah they have their foundation as disciples and then they layer the wealth and riches of this world on it so that they can use it right to bless people and bless God. Glory be to Jesus. Praise God. Lift your two hands with me, everyone, and just say, Lord, I want to live the blessed life. I want to live the blessed life. I want to live the blessed life. I want to to be that one person that you can count on live the blessed life I want to be that one person that you can count on like you were able to count on Abraham like you counted on David like you were able to count on Solomon I want to be that one person that would really live the blessed life a life that gives honor and glory the